I am so excited about this new series that we're doing. And when they, uh, uh, when they came up to me just a few weeks ago and said, um, Scott, we're doing this new series. We're very excited about it. And we think you would be perfect to lead off this new series. We really want you to be the one that does it. And I said, that's fantastic. I'm excited. I'm all in. They said, we want to show you what it's about. We want to talk to you about it. In fact, we want to show you kind of the graphic for it. And they brought me in and I looked up and it said, be old. And I'm trying so hard not to take it personally, but I will get over it. No, it's not about being old. It's about being bold. And in the course of the next several weeks, we're going to spend some time uh, talking about what it means to be bold. And we're going to look at the lives and some of the uh, experiences of the earliest disciples of Jesus in the first uh, and opening period of the life of the church and see the way that God took um, some folks who were uh, not bold in their own strength and maybe not... um, bold by personality, but God made them bold by the, the, by the deposit that he made in their life. And so we're going to learn about uh, boldness in our prayer life. And we're going to learn about boldness in terms of uh, just speaking out and talking about what God's doing in our life. And we're going to talk about boldness and obedience as well. But for this morning, we're just going to talk generally in boldness. We're going to start in Acts chapter 3. So if you've got your Bibles, okay, you can open those to Acts chapter 3, and we're going to be talking about uh, an encounter that Peter... Uh, and John had uh, with a guy there. And now the book of Acts, uh, as you're turning there, the book of Acts is kind of the story of the early church. It picks up where the story of Jesus' life takes off. So in the Gospels, we have Jesus' life and his ministry and his miracles, his death by crucifixion, his raising from the dead and ascending up to heaven. And then the book of Acts kicks in, and it's the story of what happened next, how those who were believers and followers of Jesus uh, became the church and the way God moved and worked powerfully into that church as well. And the thing that's, uh, and so that's the background. Let's jump right in, in chapter three. And Peter and John, in this account, they're kind of heading on into the temple, which was kind of their habit. That's where they went to worship. Um, And on their way in, they encounter a guy who's been sitting there at the gate for years and years and years. And he's been, he's physically disabled. He's unable to walk. And so this guy just sits at the gate while people come by day after day after day. And he's begging for alms. He's He's looking for people to toss a few coins his way because that's the only way he has to sustain his life and to earn a living. And so we'll pick it up there. It says that when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. And that's this, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and he began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Which would be pretty cool, right? You've gone your whole life and you've never been able to walk, and now you can. That's something to celebrate. That's something worth leaping around and jumping and making a big to-do about, right? I mean, you ever, have you ever had one of, those, like, one of those sore throat flus that lasts for weeks and weeks, and it just feels like there's razor blades inside, and for, for all that time, every time you swallow, it's like you're in agony? And then there comes that first swallow where it doesn't hurt, and it's like, I'm not sure that really happened. I better try that again. Then you try to make it hurt, and then when you can't make it hurt, it's time to party, Right? Well, that's chump change compared to a guy who hasn't been able to even walk for his entire life. And so he is celebrating in a big way. And you have to admit, it's pretty bold of Peter 
to tell the guy, look, I don't have money. I don't have what you're looking for. But you know what? Trust me on this one. Go ahead. Stand up. That's a, that's a bold request to make. And the thing is, it's not really like Peter. Peter was, I mean, we know from the, from the Gospels, from the story of Jesus' life and ministry, we know that Peter was bold in word, but Peter didn't always follow it up in deed, right? When, when uh, in his, with his last night with Jesus, he's with the disciples, and Peter's the one who says, you know what, no matter what happens, Jesus, I'll stand by you. Right? And within just a matter of hours, three different times, he's, he's run away and, and declared uh, and denied Jesus and run away and, and has been afraid to even say that he knew him that way. So what had happened? What happened in Peter? Because the Peter before was a Peter who was even under pressure, afraid to indicate that he knew Jesus. The Peter afterward is a Peter who's willing to look at a lame person and say, stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. And what's the difference? The difference for Peter is belief. He's encountered something. He's encountered Jesus Christ who lived and who died and then who rose from the dead. And Peter met him and encountered him and interacted with him and ate with him. He encountered all of that. And Peter believed something that he'd never perhaps been able to believe before, that Jesus really was this Son of God, the the Messiah, the Anointed One. And so he believed, and boldness is the behavior that's born out of belief. Once you believe... You will act on that belief and you will act with boldness, right? If we truly believe something, we're willing to step out and back it up with our words and with our actions. And when Peter did this and he stepped out and he said, not just, well, I have a a faint hope that Jesus will heal this man or, hey, wouldn't it be cool if Jesus healed this guy? But when he said, I believe that Jesus will heal this man, he acted on it and he acted with boldness and the result is the miracle that we read about. And when it happened, as you could imagine, this created quite a stir. It said that everyone came running over to see what all the disturbance was as this wild man was jumping and and leaping and declaring God's goodness to everyone. And they came over to find out what happened. And Peter, the new Peter, the bold Peter, seized the opportunity that he had just because people were paying attention. When Peter saw this, it says, then he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? And why do you stare at us as if by our own power or our godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified this servant, or his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. And you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. And it is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. That's a strong, confident message when you looked at the people that put Jesus to death and said, this is your fault. And when Peter stepped out in boldness and when he makes this clear declaration of what Jesus' life and death and resurrection meant, it created a problem for those religious leaders. Because Jesus had been popular. He had gathered quite a following over the time and over the years. And these religious leaders were the ones who had had him killed. And now a bunch of people are running around Jerusalem claiming that they've seen him, claiming that he's alive, claiming that, that he has been resurrected. And, and in the book of Acts, we read earlier on that 
thousands at a time are coming to be a part of this new movement of Jesus followers. And as this movement of Jesus followers grew, the power and the influence of the previous religious leaders begin to diminish. And they began to worry about whether they could still hold influence or about whether perhaps their time was done. And like a politician whose campaign is headed in the wrong direction, they just knew it was time to do something. And so the leaders got together, and they called Peter and John in for a conversation. Just let that phrase hang there. The leaders got together and called them in for a conversation. Can I just say, as a leader, from time to time, I will say to somebody, hey, if you have a few minutes after church, stick around. I need to talk to you about something. And this look washes over your face like you're being called into the principal's office. Uh Uh-oh, Pastor Scott wants to talk to me. Does he know what I've done? What's this going to be? Am I in trouble? And sometimes I just need a friend. Sometimes I just want somebody to talk to. Sometimes I want to tell you you're doing a great job. So can I just take the opportunity to say, I'm not the principal. And although they put my office way down in the bowels of the basement down there, you're you're not called down there to get in trouble. Okay, But you know that feeling when, when you feel like you have been called down to the principal's office? Whether you've done something wrong or not and they call you in? Well, these religious leaders get that same kind of tone to their voice and they call in Peter and John. And they had Peter and John brought in before them, it says, and they began to question them. By what power or by what name do you do this? And I love this. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people. Peter's kind of getting into the speech mode here, right? He's starting, to, he's starting to feel it a little bit with these speeches. Rulers and elders of the people. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and if we're being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all of the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you, healed. He says it a little different each time, but there's a real consistency to this bold message, right? That it's in the name of Jesus, the one that you put to death, but God raised from the dead. That's what's taking place here. There's a couple of things I want you to note about Peter's boldness in the midst of this. And first of all, it says this, it's that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. See, at this point, Peter has learned it's not enough just to walk in your own strength or in your own personal amount of boldness, but he's filled with the Holy Spirit of God. His boldness is in part a result of the Spirit of God and the power of God flowing through him that way. It's because he's filled with God's Spirit. Second, there's this ongoing, consistent focus on the name of Jesus Christ. Peter has come to grips with the fact that the name of Jesus Christ is really powerful. That where the name of Jesus Christ is concerned... Things happen. The dead are raised. The lame can walk, right? He understands that the name of Jesus makes a difference, and he's not ashamed to speak it out. And he's also really consistent about this bit about, look, you, you rulers, you religious leaders, you opposed him. You put him to death, but God raised him up. You did everything you could to stop him, but God is greater, and God is bigger, and God is more powerful, and you cannot stop what God is doing here. That is a bold message. And it made an impact on the people that he was speaking to. They noticed. It says that uh, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And as we begin this series, Bold, I, I observe 
three things about boldness in this particular account. And right, big shocker, you're a pastor, you see three things, right? We always do. My whole life, I observe things in groups of three. I'm sorry about that. That's how I'm wired. What's your name? I have three names, a first name, a second name, and a third name. I have a Bible verse for each and a cute little story. That's just the way my world works. Welcome. (laughs) But reflecting on this story and reflecting on this account, the first thing I see is this, that God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. Ordinary people receive this extraordinary gift of boldness from God. It's very interesting to me that this passage goes out of its way to say that they observed that these these guys, Peter and John, that they were ordinary, unschooled, common men. That they didn't have lots of training and background. That they weren't theologians. They weren't philosophers and orators. They weren't really particularly gifted or skilled or trained or equipped for what they were doing. They were just normal people. They were unschooled, common men. You know, what the, you know the, the exact Greek word for common that's used there? is idiotas. (laughs) Look it up. It's true. These guys are just idiots. But something has come over them. They've come in contact with something that makes them more than just the common idiots that they were. They're having an impact. They're making a difference. People are being healed. Things are happening. And it's not because they're so great and they're so amazing and they've got so much training. They're just regular people to whom God has given a gift of extraordinary boldness. Most of us, and most of the time, we don't feel extraordinary. And we don't feel like this overwhelming burst of boldness all the time. Most of us typically tend to feel a little bit ordinary, right? Or under-equipped. Maybe you feel like you could never do anything extraordinary. And maybe occasionally you feel like an idiot. And you feel like I could never do anything extraordinarily bold. But you can when you're at work and the gossip around the water cooler starts and there's talk about other people behind their back, and you say, you know what, As a, I, I'm not going to participate in that. I'm going to step away from that. You don't necessarily have to make the big speech in the grand exit. Maybe you just choose not to participate and, and get busy in another place. But you know what, when you choose not to participate in that gossip, that's boldness. Maybe, maybe you're single and in your dating life, You're making some choices that say, I want to honor God in the way that I conduct myself in a dating life, in the way that I treat the people that I date, in the way that I honor and respect my future spouse by the way I treat people that I'm with today. And maybe that sets you apart from the crowd, and maybe that um, has some cost and some reputation associated with it. But when you choose to do that to honor God, that is boldness. Maybe you're in business, and and the, the killer deal comes along and all you have to do to seal the deal and to get the signature is just to bend the truth a tiny little bit. And when you choose not to do that and when you choose to state the truth without exception and stand up for what is right and maybe it even costs you the deal but when you do it because it's right that is boldness. I remember six years ago when, uh, when our family had come to the conclusion that God... that, that the time we had lived down in California was coming to an end, and we really felt like God had called us up specifically to the city of Spokane. And so we, uh, we put our house on the market, and we're fixing up getting it ready to sell, and uh, didn't really have a home up here, didn't really have a job up here or anything. We just knew that we were supposed to come. And I remember talking to my neighbor across the street, who's like a 
financial planner and everything for him is seen through the lens of, you know, making uh, responsible financial decisions and everything like that. So when I told him, yeah, we're selling the house because we're moving to a city and we don't have anything going on there. He said, you're an idiot. He said, do you know what the housing market's doing? You can't just leave without a job. What, what is going on? And I remember in that moment, I had this little brief conversation with myself. Um, one of the thoughts was I could say, well, okay, yeah, but I just think I'm doing it. Or, or I had the opportunity to say, well, here's what's happening. I do my very best in, in, in my life to follow God because that's what I'm committed to. And for reasons I don't understand, I believe he's the one calling me there. So it's, I'm kind of trying to live out a life of faith in a God that you don't believe in, and that's why I'm doing this. And in that moment, I had a decision to make. Was I going to step aside or was I going to be bold? And I confirmed his worst suspicions that I was an idiot because I told him what was going on. And it's okay. I mean, I would love to go back down and say, look, my my life worked out great and your life stinks and I was right and you were wrong, so there. But I'm probably not going to get the chance to do that. I don't think God God would honor my desire to do that very much. When we step out in boldness, when we take the opportunities to say, this is what God's doing in my life, and and this is how I'm trying to honor him, when we do that, the world takes note. The passage said that they were amazed, but they take note when we're bold. Observation number two. Boldness comes from being with Jesus. It says that the people who observed these guys said they observed that they were common idiots, but that they had spent time with Jesus, and that that's where the boldness came from. They were ordinary men who had been with Jesus. And so when we talk about being bold, it's not about, well, look, we're just going to go out there and be bold for boldness's sake, right? We don't need to necessarily focus on being bold. We can focus on being with Jesus, on getting to know our Savior and our Lord. If we focus on getting to know Jesus and spending time with him, the boldness will naturally follow. Have you ever met someone who's just trying a little bit too hard to be bold? Not so much necessarily from a place of knowing Jesus, but just that they want to be bold, and they want you to know that they're bold, and they're just trying a little too hard. They're like living their life in all caps, right? In the name of Jesus, please pass the salt. You know, you could just ask, right? See, there's something that happens when instead of just trying to be bold, We try to really spend time with Jesus. When we spend time with Jesus, our faith increases. And when our faith increases, we become naturally more bold. And when we become more bold, it's interesting, we see an increase in the way that God works through us and around us, and we see miracles. And when we see those miracles and we see God working, that sends us right back and says, man, I want to spend more time with Jesus. And then our faith grows, and then we're more bold, and we see more of God's activity, and the cycle builds and builds and builds, right? Unfortunately, the opposite of that is true also. That if we spend less time with Jesus, then our faith begins to decrease. And when our faith decreases, we become less bold. And when we're less bold, we probably see God at work less and less. And when that happens, we're discouraged, and so we spend less time with Jesus. And then our faith declines, and then we become less bold, and we cycle downward as well. So let me ask you about your boldness. Like on a scale of 1 to 10, how bold are you? And I say this knowing full well that some of us, by personality, are already really bold, and some of us, by personality, or not. You may say, I'm not naturally a bold person. 
But whether you're a one in boldness or a ten in boldness, I want to, uh, we want to allow God to take us one step further in boldness through this series, right? So if you're a one in boldness, let's let God take you to a two. If you're a five, let's move up to a six. If you're a ten, yours goes to eleven, and that's all good as well. I've got a friend who is the boldest person I know, just like by personality, okay? Um, he is just like over the top. He has two opinions and only two opinions. It was either the very best ever, you wouldn't believe how great it was. Or he's, oh my gosh, that was the worst ever. You wouldn't believe how terrible it was. Nothing in between. He holds one of two opinions on everything. And he's bold about them. Uh, he came on staff at our church uh, as the youth minister. And in his very first Sunday, he, or he, he got the high schoolers and the junior highers together and he began to talk to them about how lame it was to live your life halfway for God. That halfway was not enough. And then during the worship time, he went out and he had this big, thick head of hair, and he just shaved off half of his head. And he came back with half a head of full hair and half a head of bald. That's bold, man. Now that I can't grow hair, it's really bold. I really appreciate that. I've got another friend who's way at the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, her goal in life, if she could pull it off, would be to live her whole life and have nobody know that she was ever here on earth. That would make her happy. She just wants to be quiet and, and hardly noticed as, at all. But I believe that God would say the exact same thing to her as he would say to my, uh, to my other friend, and that is this. Are you willing to become just a little bit bolder for me? From wherever you are, are you willing to become just a little bit bolder for me? And I think he's asking the same thing of me, and I think he's asking the same thing of you and of all of us. Are we willing to become just a little bit bolder? What might a little bit bolder look like? It might mean that you're just a little more willing to reach out and invite someone that you know to come to church with you. It might mean that you actually take a step and volunteer to serve in one of the ministries of the church. It might mean that you enroll in a class. It might mean that you take a look at giving habits and seeing how God might be speaking to you there. It might be letting go of a habit or an addiction. It might mean reaching out to a neighbor in need and serving them. It might mean forgiving a family member that's been treating you poorly. See, for each one of us, there's going to be a different application of what it means to be bold. But the question to all of us is this. At whatever point the Spirit of God is calling you and asking you, are you willing to become one step bolder for Jesus than you are today? See, God gives extraordinary boldness to ordinary people. And then that boldness is a gift that comes from being with Jesus. And then there's this. And we need to be ready for this. Boldness, unfortunately, is not always well-received. Right? We look back across this story and we go, oh man, that's awesome for them. God used them and that's fantastic. And they had this great, strong testimony. But, um, but in the moment, these guys were stepping into a lot of danger. I mean, the people that they were ticking off, the people that they were accusing of murder, right, were the very people that had put Jesus to death and wielded the kind of power to make that happen. Boldness isn't always well-received and it's not um, always easy to be understood either. And um, I, have a, I, have a, I have first-hand experience of this. Now, you have to understand this about me. I was uh, born and raised and lived all of my life up until six years ago in Southern California. Both of my parents graduated from the University of Southern California. So I am genetically a USC football fan. Where USC is concerned, that's just a part of my identity, especially where the football is. So we're, I've just, that's something about who I am, and I've 
by uh, family tradition, become bold about it. You know, so for years and years, decades, on game day, the, the big USC banner gets placed in the flag outside and hung up, and the whole deal, and you wear the T-shirt, and you get all your gear on, and you watch the game. That's just a part of what you do. You're bold that way. And i got to tell you, for many of the years, it was very easy to be a bold USC fan. USC was winning national championships, right? I'm living down in Southern California. They're a very popular team. You can be as bold as you want without consequence, right? Six years ago, I arrived in Spokane to find out that maybe the USC flag isn't so popular. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I will say this, but the boldness was still pretty easy because although it wasn't well-received, my team was still winning. Well... Time has taken care of that. <laughs> My team began a slow decline from being excellent to pretty good to average to I don't even want to talk about it today. And then two weeks ago, Washington State beats USC on USC's home field, right? I can't believe there's not an ovation. Come on, you won't hurt my feelings. All right. And so I'll be honest with you, that hurt. It's harder for me now than ever to go out on Saturday morning and put the flag up. But you know what? When I do, it means more. Right? It means more now when it's difficult than it ever did when it was easy. What does it cost you to put up the Jesus banner in front of your life? To be bold about letting people know who it is that you follow. See, it's one thing to be bold about our faith here in this auditorium or out in the lobby or maybe even out in the parking lot. But what about when we step outside of church and back into our lives and the everyday and the family and the job and the neighbors and the friends where the reception might not be as favorable and where we might not be as understood and where people might be rooting against us and cheering when we fail? See, it gets harder to be bold about flying the Jesus flag. But it means more. It means more. Over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be bold in some very specific ways. Bold in our prayers, bold in our speaking, bold in our obedience to God. We're going to talk about what it means to be bold, and my prayer is this. My prayer is that as we do, um, we see God do amazing things. It's my hope that four weeks from today, when we're done with this series, we will not be the same people that we are today. We'll be stronger, we'll be bolder, we'll be more passionate, and we'll be embracing what God is doing more and more. And it's my prayer that we won't have to work at being bold. That'll just be the very natural byproduct of the time that we've been spent with Jesus, spending with Jesus and being with him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, our heart's desire is to please you. Our heart's desire is to follow you in a way that brings you glory and which surrenders the entirety of our life to you. And God, what that requires of us at many points is more than we actually have. It requires strength that we have not yet built. It requires endurance that we have not yet built up. It requires faith that that we have not yet developed. And so God, in all of these things, we want to turn to you and say, God, we need you to help us be who you're asking us to be. We need your strength to live out the life that you're calling us to live. Jesus, we need you. And God, my real and very specific prayer this morning as well as this, for each one who's seated here, for each one who's listening, 
God, would you speak a very clear word to each one of our hearts? God, where do you want me to be bold for you this week? God, this week, where do you want me to take that stand, to make that step, to move things forward? God, where, where is that for me? And maybe God will be speaking that to you right now in this moment, or maybe you'll just recognize it when it comes. But Lord, when we get there, would you give us the strength that we need to live out the boldness that you call us to? God, would you continue to inspire us to live lives that are bold for you? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I expect it to be a great week full of opportunities to, for boldness to break out all over. All over.